Well, welcome to Redemption Park. If you're new, my name is Mark. It is my privilege to uh, get the sound dialed in here. Just like, <laughs> like what is going on here? Um, well, welcome. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, where'd our sound guy go? He just left. <laughs> well, welcome to Redemption Park, where we have everything together. So. We're, if, if you do, you're in the right place. So uh, it's good to worship God with you. It's my privilege to open up God's word with you this morning. So, <clears throat> excuse me, continuing in our series, uh, Summer in the Psalms, we are in Psalm 13 this morning. Psalm 13. So you can begin to work your way there. Um, it was 16 years ago in August that a unforeseen crisis uh, descended upon our, our family. Uh, Jennifer was pregnant with our second daughter, Abby, and uh, she gave me a call. I was, uh, was doing mil- military ministry in Okinawa, Japan. I was on base doing a Bible study. She said, it's time. So came and got her, and uh, we drove down to the naval hospital there. And uh, as we were driving there, I was thinking, oh, I'm scheduled to preach on Job this week. And, and I remember praying, uh, God, I know I'm scheduled to preach on Job, but I, I really don't need any sermon illustrations right now. So um, thank you very much. So just keep going. Going and uh, things were going well all the way up until the point of that, the actual birth. Uh, when Abby came out, they uh, immediately said, we have to get her right away to uh, the NICU, the intensive care unit. So dad, if you want to come with us, uh, we'll go. And we ran down this really long hallway as they're pushing the sh- stroller. And, and I don't know what's going on. And, and they say, well, there, there's something seriously wrong with our heart. It's, it's all over the place. We don't know if it's going to stop any moment. And so they began to run all these tests. And, and of course, I began to pray and, and, and just kind of uh, try to figure this out. And, and that, that began several days of just by her side with all the uh, wires on her chest and uh, things up her nose and all that, just praying over uh, our uh, second-born daughter, Abby. And uh, we, we just didn't know if, if any moment if that, uh, that heart would stop. And so you can imagine some of the things that that stirred up in that. And it was a stressful time. Uh, but after several days, when she had kind of stabilized a little bit, uh, it was time to uh, bring her older sister to uh, meet her younger sister for the first time. In fact, I have a, a picture of that moment. It's kind of blurry, but you got Zoe, little Abby there, and, uh, holding her hand. And, uh, and as, uh, after that little, Zoe was always rocking a mask before masks were cool in this time. And so... Uh, <laughs> She was worried that it wasn't all the way over her nose when she saw it. I'm like, no, you're, you're not one of those people. So uh, it's good. As a two-year-old, you were good. Uh, so we, uh, we get back in, and I, I, just, I knew this was kind of hard on little two-year-old Zoe as well. And so I said, hey, let's go get some ice cream. And she's like, yes, ice cream. And so we're, we're driving, and I'm driving through base. And on, and on base, there's a kind of a strip mall. And, and uh, as we pull up next to the strip mall, there's the signs of what the, uh, it's like Burger King and there's stuff. But there's a Baskin Robbins in there. And, and two-year-old Zoe, though she can't read at this time, she, she's, she, knows the, she knows the logo, right? The, the pink and the, the blue logo of BR and, and from the, the back seat of, of the van, uh, two-year-old Zoe points out her little finger and, and she says, Daddy, Daddy, look, we're here. Good driving, Daddy. <laughs> I'm like, well, well, thank you very much. And uh, because she did it on that day and that moment and what we were going through with other, like, it, it was just a poignant moment of, um, man, it's, it's, 
she, she's never said that to me before. Like when I, hey, we're going to the doctor to get your shots. Like there's no good driving daddy in that moment. Like, uh, but, but, but there was, it, it just made me think so often that that's kind of how I view or kind of how we kind of tend to view God. If he drives us to the place in life where we get ice cream or we get that, that, that dream uh, spouse or we get that house or we get that promotion, if we get all, all the things that we would check off our boxes as good things, we, we, we can even come to God and, and praise God and say, good driving, daddy. But what about the other moments in life? What about when just on this side of this broken, pain-filled world, when things do crash, and they do crash for all of us, what are our thoughts towards God in those moments? What do we think about Him as Daddy in those moments? Because here's the deal. All of us have those moments. Like if we circled up in little groups of two or three right now and we said, hey, just share your story with one another, every one of our stories would, would have at some point uh, some pain, so, some brokenness, some unfulfilled dreams and promises. Uh, that, that's just, just part of our story. Whenever we do uh, these connect cards, like we're going to do later today where we invite you to submit your prayer requests and, and, and otherwise, uh, we're always... Surprised though we shouldn't be, just of the, the amount of heaviness that comes into this room every Sunday morning, because we 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 don't we don't necessarily see it in our in, in our faces and in, in our greetings with one another, but but there's just a tremendous amount of burden in this room right now, and and to some degree that's true of every one of us. That's all of our stories. If life hasn't hit you hard. The, 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 the bad news is it will hit you hard. Like it, it's coming. And, and as a pastor, I, I get invited into uh, the, the best and, and the worst moments of people's lives. I've had good friends of mine come up to me uh, driving from the doctor to come to see me and, and say, uh, the doctor says I have cancer. And I would walk with those friends for the next couple years and then I would find myself doing that funeral and trying to encourage the wife in that moment. What do you say at a funeral of a 30-year-old who dies of cancer? What do you say when someone goes off to war and doesn't come back? What do you say when, when the spouse says, I'm, I'm not in this anymore, I, I, I want out? Like, like this is just the, the, the brutal reality of this side of, of the world. And so in that moment, how, how, do, we, how do we even... Come to God. How do we sing songs? How, how, do, we, um, how do we process that? Well, well, Psalm 13 is going to give us a, a pattern for that. It's going to give us uh, language for that. Uh, we're going to talk about lament today. Uh, Mark Rogop, who is a pastor in Indianapolis, he wrote a book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Um, it's an excellent book. A lot of what I'm going to say is going to come from that book, so I just want to point that out to you this morning. But he says in that book, he says, to cry is human, to lament is Christian. The, the Bible actually has a lot to say about the brokenness of this world. It isn't a, a, a just kind of ignore the brokenness and, and pretend like everything is good kind of faith. In fact, uh, there's a whole book called Lamentations uh, of Lament for a, a national lament. There's, there's Habakkuk, he laments. There's uh, Job, the oldest book of the Bible, is just a, a story of the brokenness of this world and how do you respond to God in those moments. And, and we're going through Psalms 
And of the 150 psalms, which are songs and prayers for God's people to say and to pray and to sing together, of 150 of them, about a third of them, 50 of them, are psalms of lament. Lament is God's pathway to process pain to get to a place of praise. So it's a pathway through pain to praise. This is the whole point of lament. So, so imagine that. If, if one-third of all the songs we sang together as Redemption Parker when we came were just cries out to God because the world is broken, that, that would, one, we, we'd be a smaller church because we're not comfortable with that. But two, we'd be a deeper church because this is the reality of the world that we live in. And lament and, and the Psalms are, are meant to, to, to make us face reality, but face it in such a way that, that we can get to a place of joy and praise again. And, and so I, I, I just want to um, just acknowledge in the room, I, I know that there's, there's, there's people that are currently in a season of lament, some that have been through dark seasons. And for all of us, we're going to go through a dark season. You're like, well, that doesn't make me feel good. No, it doesn't, but... But, but there is a way to deepen our faith in the pathway of lament if we will just look at it. And so I, I've chosen Psalm 13, not because, uh, um, well, it's a great psalm, but uh, of the other 47 lament psalms, they, they follow this pattern as well that you're going to start to see. And, and it's as if God wants us to have a well-worn path of lament so that when life does hit for ourselves or our family or friends or our church or our city or our nation, when life hits, we can be guides on the path through the pain, and to the praise. And so if you have your Bible, Psalm 13 is where we're going to be this morning. I'll read it, and then uh, we will jump in here. So it says, To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but what you just read never will. May God's word be on our hearts and our minds and our lips this week. So, so I started with what, what isn't even verse 1, but it is in the Bible because uh, it's written down by the Holy Spirit. And, and notice how it starts. It says, to the choir master, a psalm of David. Now, this is odd to me. Because this is a, an experience that David had a very personal experience. And we're not told I- exactly w- what he went through. We know from his life he had a, a tremendous ups and tremendous downs. Uh, tr- uh, he, he wrestled. We're going to see in, even in this psalm, he, he wrestles with feelings and, and doubt. He wrestles with depression. Uh, and, and in this personal experience, some, somehow, by the Holy Spirit, God says, it wasn't just for you, David. I want it to be for all of my people. So write a song so that when my people gather, they will sing this song. They will sing this lament to me. They will walk the pathway that you have walked, David, 
from pain to praise. And, and so David takes his personal experience. He puts words to it. He puts lyrics to it. He puts music to it. And, and the people of God would sing this together. And so there, there's four kind of stages of the pathway or the pattern. I'll put them on the screen here. Just quickly, it is a, a, turn, a choosing to turn to God, a choosing to ask God, a, a choosing to, uh, I'm sorry, a turning to turn to God, to complain to God, to ask God, and then to trust God. So, so you turn, you complain, you ask and you trust. This is the pattern throughout most of the Psalms of Lament. You'll, you'll just, when you put this lens on, and if you're reading through the Psalms this summer, you'll see it time and time and time again. Because again, God wants to uh, put this deep into our hearts, this pattern. Turning to God. Complaining to God. Asking God. And trusting God. Uh, we see it in here. Uh, turn to God. It, it, in the very first. How long, O Lord? He, he, he brings his, his complaint. He turns to God. He brings his pain. He, he brings it to God. Now, now this is important because uh, we all have a tendency to turn to things other than God, don't we? So, so what do you turn to when life hits? When life gets stressful? You, you might turn to... Um, uh, retail therapy. <laughs> you might turn to... Uh, drinking, you might turn to drugs, you might turn to uh, binging on, uh, on Netflix, you might turn to uh, just social media, you might turn to pornography, you, you might turn to pursuing a new relationship, you, you might turn to a thousand other things, but in the end, they, they, they only numb the pain, and, and m- more times than not, they actually end up bringing more brokenness and more pain in your life and that. And so we see in the pattern of lament, the first step is a choice. I'm going to bring this to God. And this is what David is doing. He turns to God and, and he moves to the second one. Second stage is complaint. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? The word forever there could also be translated completely or totally. He says, how long? So, so we all know that when, when things are going really well, like you go on vacation for a week, it feels like a day. But when pain is in your life, it, a day feels like a week. It gets opposite. So we don't know how long he's in this, but, but some time has gone by. I don't know if it's weeks or months or, or years, but, but he is, he is in, in this anguish and he's just crying out, how long? How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? See, David has a personal relationship with the Lord, but it seems like that there's, there's been no communication. It seems like there's been no connection. There seems like God has other things on his mind and doesn't see David and what David's going through. Some of us have been there. Like, Lord, do you hear my, my prayers? Feel like they're just hitting the ceiling. What's, what's up, Lord? How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? To, 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 have the, to be before the face of God in, in the Bible is to have the blessing and the presence of God. So Aaron says in his blessing, may, may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And David doesn't feel any of that. There's no sense of the comforting presence of God in his life. And so he just cries out. He complains, how long will you forget me forever? Have you taken your blessing away from me, your presence, Lord? He continues on. Four times he talks about how long. He says, verse 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul? 
and have sorrow in my heart all the day. He says, I'm left by myself to, to deal with my problems, Lord. I, I, I just, I, I'm on this downward spiral of just looking at me and my problems and my pain, and, and it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier. It's the language of depression. And I have sorrow in my heart all the day. He, he just, he feels the weight where he's, it's hard for him to breathe. His, his tears fill his bed. And he doesn't feel like anyone's there for him. And he certainly doesn't feel like the Lord is there for him. He says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? See, David knows that he's been uh, chosen by God. He's been anointed by God to be the king of God's people, to, to reign over Israel. But, but what, he, what God has promised and what he's experiencing seem like they're in different universes. Do you ever feel like that? You ever feel like, I, I, know what God, I, know what, I know what God says, I know what God does, I know what the promises are, but, but what I'm personally experiencing, and for David, he's like, I, I'm supposed to be the king of Israel, and through my line, it, it's supposed to be the Messiah of, of God's people, but, but my enemies are, are this close to triumphing over me, and, and if they take me out, then, then the promises were a lie, and, and he feels like, man, it, it looks like they're about to take me out, Lord. It looks like your promises aren't true. Do you ever, do you ever feel that? Do, do you ever uh, pursue something in, in your life that you know, you know is good? You, you know it's, it's part of God's heart and yet God still doesn't answer. God still doesn't open the door. I know that is true for some of you. So some of you say, hey, I, I want to honor the Lord in, and I want to have a family. I want to... I don't want to be single. And, and so I, I'm praying, and God doesn't seem to be answering that prayer. But this is a, I, I'm just trying to honor the Lord. Or I want to have kids, and, and we can't have kids, and, and, I, and I just want a family that would honor the Lord. And you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you start to pray, how long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long, O oh Lord? And it just goes on and on. I, this, this was true of us and um, our, our daughter, uh, Rebecca. She was in an orphanage in Thailand and we had been uh, taking teams out there from Okinawa. We had been uh, serving there, but we felt, uh, we felt called to pursue an adoption. But we read the word and we're like, God, we see your heart. We see your heart for the, the widow and the orphan, the, the poor and the powerless. And so we just want to line our hearts up with your heart. So, so answer this prayer, Lord. This is obviously your will. And so we began to pray about it and pursue it. And, and a month went by and we're like, okay, we know it's going to take some time, but we're, we're praying. And every day that goes by, we know she's in a, a terrible situation. And, and so we, we pray and we pray and months go by and, and a year go by and, and we go and we, we're traveling. We're trying to go to court there and, and another year goes by. She, she was nine when this started. So another year goes by. We move out there <coughs> and we pursue and pursue. And, and, and it was after three years she finally came home. But in those three years, it felt like forever. Like, Lord, this is clearly your will, but, but it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like you're answering the prayer. How long, oh Lord? And so we bring our complaint to God. Now, now for some of us, depending on how you grew up or, or, or your cultural background, you're not comfortable with this language. Now, it could be because you're just not familiar with the Bible. Because there's 50 lament psalms. There's a book of lament. 
<laughs> you're not familiar with the minor prophets that are always crying out to God. You're not comfortable with a faith that just says, God, this is not right. And you might think, Man, is it okay to complain to God? I mean, after all, I'm a, I'm a dad. I don't like it when my kids come and complain to me. Like, is this right? It seems almost irreverent, David. Just kind of, it, it seems almost accusatory. Now, now there is certainly a line that can be crossed. But, but what I think Psalm 13 and the other Psalms are doing when, 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 they, uh, when, when God records them for, the God, for God's people to sing lament and sing complaint, I think what he's doing is saying, your faith can be authentic. You can bring your mess to God. You can bring your misunderstanding and, and your limited knowledge, all of the pain, all this. You, you, if you want to walk through that, you, you need to be able to bring all of that to God. Now, now David is not uh, calling into question the actual character of God. He's saying, I, I know the character of God, but the experience seems like there's a huge disconnect. And Lord, I'm complaining about it. And so he invites you to complain. And, and maybe, maybe you've never got through the pain because you've never... You've never come, you've turned to God, but you've never moved on to complaint. You've never actually put it out on the table, but, but, but God is inviting you to do that today. But here's the thing in the, the pattern, you, you can't stop at any one of these places. We, we can stop at just our complaints. Oh, I turn to God, I complain all day long. And, and it's just that the weight of those complaints will just start to crush us. So we have to choose in that moment to turn to ask God to turn to ask God. And and we see that in verse four. Well, verse three, sorry. It says, consider and answer me, O Lord. So if the problem is, uh, I feel like you've forgotten me. I I feel like you aren't there anymore. Uh, The opposite of that is, Lord, would you consider me? Will you you not forget me? Will you answer me, O my Lord? If the problem is, uh, I have only counsel in myself and and there's depression descending on my soul, then then the ask is, light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Bring light and joy back into my life. He's asking the Lord for the things he just complained about for answers. Verse 4, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. And so he's saying, Lord, I, I, I'm asking God that you would deliver me in this moment. So we've got to move from complaint to ask, but, but, but we can't stop there. We can't just ask, ask, ask. That, that, that is, that is a, a pattern. And Jesus would even invite you to persistent prayer in, in asking. But at a certain point, uh, if you're going to move on in the pattern, you've got to take the next step, which is to trust God. Verse 5. But. And that word but there in the Psalms of Lament marks a turn. But in spite of everything that I experience, in spite of everything that I see, in spite of the pain and the suffering, but I have trusted in what? Your steadfast love. He, he makes a, a, a turn in his heart and he chooses to trust. And he, what is he trusting in? Your steadfast love. So the actual circumstances of his life, the things that he just complained about, nothing has changed But he's lifted his eyes and he says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Now, the word there is probably the most important word in the Old Testament. Most important word in the New Testament, besides the names of God, in the New Testament would be pisteo, trust, faith. But but in the Old Testament, steadfast love is chesed, chesed. 
It's his uh, covenantal, unfailing, unstoppable, unbreakable, personal love of God for the people of God. So David says, that's what I'm going to hold on to. In spite of what I'm experiencing, in spite of the pain, in spite of everything else, I can hold on to your chesed love, your unstoppable love. And so he clings tightly to that. And then he looks toward the future. So after you turn to God, complain, ask, and trust, there's a moment where we bring that to, from our pain to praise. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, that's, that's not David just being shallow. Like, I'm just going to say, yeah, you, in spite of everything I've just cried about, in spite of everything that's been so hard in my life, uh, you've dealt bountifully with me. How can David say that in a matter of just a few verses? I, I read this story this week by, about a guy named Alan Gardner. Alan Gardner was a... Uh, kind of a strange guy. He's a Christian in, in England, and, but, but God just put it on his heart to take the, the gospel to people that didn't have access to it. And, and God put Patagonia on his heart, South America, South, southern tip of America, South America. And, and so he starts the Patagonia Mission Society, and he, he gathers funds, and, and they get a boat, and they get some missionaries, and, and they set sail. And, and as they go right around the, the southern tip of South America, a storm comes up, and they shipwreck on a, a, a deserted, uninhabitable island. And the crew and, and the other missionaries, one by one, starved to death. And eventually, Alan himself dies, starves to death. By all accounts, he, he was the last one alive. And they found uh, his body. And next to his body, they found his journal. And they opened up his journal. And uh, in it, he, uh, they, they, they went to what he wrote last. And he was reflecting on the Psalms. And, and he reflected on Psalm 3410. He writes this in his journal, Psalm 3410. The lions may grow weak and hungry. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So, so he, he's reflecting on this psalm that's talking about lions starving to death while he's starving, starving to death. And he's like, the lions may grow, but the, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And he writes one more sentence, the last sentence he ever wrote. He says, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. And he died. I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. See, we've got to get past a faith that says good driving daddy only when we see that, that there is an actual tangible connection to the goodness of God. Somehow, Helen Gardner, somehow David in this psalm is able to get past the circumstances to tap into the very source of that goodness of God and say, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. See, this is not shallow, just smile and say everything's okay kind of faith. This is deep, deep trust. This is the pattern of lament meant to take us from pain to praise. And so David says, I will, I will rejoice in your salvation. David was looking forward to the day. One day, one day, 
God would come and make things right. But brothers and sisters, we have more than David had. We have so much more than David had. We have so much more to hold on to. We, we have namely Jesus. He, he looked forward to Jesus. He, he read uh, other things. He read uh, other scriptures that pointed to Jesus. Uh, that there are scriptures like Isaiah 53.3 uh, that talks about Jesus. Well, he, when he comes, he'll be a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus knows the sorrows, the deepest sorrows of this world. When he came, he, he, he entered into our sorrows. Often he was moved with compassion. Uh, well, one day they brought him to a tomb uh, where his friend Lazarus has, had died. And if you've been in church any amount of time, you know what's going to happen there. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But, but as he gets there and he sees the brokenness of this world and, and the invasion that is sin and death and funerals. And by the way, uh, particularly in our suburban, uh, predominantly white culture, we do a terrible job at that. We're like, oh, it's a celebration of life. Come on. You've got to learn how to lament a little bit. Well, he's in a better place. Yeah, he is. We're not. Well, he, we're just, we're not going to say anything negative. That is a terrible plan. And so whenever I do a funeral, I just want to recognize there is brokenness in the world. This is not right. This is not good. It's not good that we go and stand over our graves of our loved ones. And so Jesus enters into this scene where everyone is broken and weeping and wailing and crying out. And Jesus looks around and he doesn't say, hey, hey, I got it. I got it. He doesn't just quickly try to shut that down. What does it say? John eleven thirty five, 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He wept. That, that means so much to me. Because I know there is a day when he's going to ultimately come and make everything right. That day's coming. And yet even in this day, even in the pain that you're facing, even in the loss that you're facing, he sees and he enters in and he feels what we feel. He weeps. He weeps. And Jesus had the songbook of the Psalms to guide his life. And he understood this pattern and he followed this pattern. Moments before he was betrayed, he finds himself in a garden. And he tells his disciples, my soul is in agony even to the point of death. Sounds like David, doesn't it? And he says, let's, let's pray. Let's turn to God. And he turns to God and he, he begins to ask God. And he says, my God, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Three times he asked, if it is possible, take this cup from me. And Luke says he's in such agony, he's, he's drip, he's, it's like drops of blood are dripping from him. And he's asking the Lord. He's following this pattern of lament, but he, he doesn't stop there. He turns to trust. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He trusts God. He follows the pattern. See, we have a God that does not stand far off, doesn't say just, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He enters into our pain. He enters into our lament. He laments with us and he leads the way so that our biggest problem, our greatest need is taken care of. We have a cross in history standing in Golgotha that says it is finished. Your biggest problem is taken care of. God is for you. So even if all the circumstances of your life uh, go into shambles, you, you can look at a cross and say, that's Hesed love. That, that's a love that has been proven for me. That's the love that I'm going to cling on to in spite of everything else I'm facing. So let us be that kind of people.
Let's be the people that turn to God, that complain to God, that ask of God, that trust in God. Let us be the kind of people that, um, like Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Do you see? Jesus went through the pain to find joy, despising the shame, seated at the right hand of God. We have so much more, brothers and sisters. The Bible is going to tell us that we are to walk this pathway of lament, but not, especially as Christians, not alone, but together. He says, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice, do life together. Let's wear out this pathway of lament together so that when life hits one of us or all of us, we can walk together through this pathway. Imagine if the actual goodness presence of God was felt through the people of God when life hits you, when your gospel community comes around you and things are really dark and they that they make a meal for you and you just taste the goodness of God in that meal. Imagine when they lift you up in prayer, when, when you, you, you have no energy, no, no strength to even pray, when, you, when brothers and sisters come around you and they lay their hand and they, they lament for you, they complain for you, they ask for you. This is what God is, is calling us to as a church. It's what will drive us deeper in our faith. It will, it'll, it's what will drive us deeper in our city and in our nation It'll make us a, an attractive witness because the world needs it because the world is broken. So with that, let me just say we're going to do a couple things here. There's a few ways that we lament together. One, uh, we have, uh, we have a, a infertility, uh, infant loss, miscarriage group that, that gets together fairly regularly. If that's something that you've gone through, there, there's a group that wants to lament with you. I wants to encourage you. wants to walk with you in that. So um, I think Whitney Finkney in the back here, you can talk to her. She, she'll get you connected with that. Um, our gospel communities are, are meant to be a place where we can talk with one another. We, we hope you're developing relationships. Uh, every quarter or so when we do our worship and prayer nights, we have you fill out the prayer card that's in your seat. And, and we, uh, we just... We, we bring those to God that night. But, but this, this time, today, before you come up to communion, uh, we put out the Connect cards. Uh, one, if you're new here, to fill out a Connect. But on the back side, there's a place for prayers. Um, but, but today, I want you to write a lament. I want, I want us to do an all play. Uh, you're going to put it in the offering box when you come and take your communion. But, but just a lament of your life. A lament, maybe something from your past or something you're going through right now, maybe a fear. And it would be our privilege and honor as the elders to take those this week and just, just cry out to God on your behalf in those things. Because again, there is some weight and there's some burden in this room. And we'll also, uh, you can do that anonymously. If you want us to contact you, we'd be happy to just put your information there. But we'll put it um, just on a, a little sub page on our website so that the body of Christ here can just kind of see the laments that are in our body right now. And we can kind of pray and lift those things up. So, so that's, that's, that's not super happy and fun, all, all that stuff. But it is good for us to just recognize that the world is broken, to complain to God, to ask of God and to turn to God in faith. So you're going to do that before you come take communion. Uh, I do want to leave us with just one more quote. My friend, he's a pastor in Houston, actually. Uh, he wrote this on his Facebook wall this week, and I said, yes, that's, 
if the people will understand this, that I will have done my job. I could have just d- said this, actually. Um, he wrote this. He said, God invites us to sigh deep, broken sighs, to shed great pain-filled tears, to ache for a world put right. These emotions are to be welcomed, not avoided. Our longing for a better world is not wish-making, but confident expectation that our Savior will make it so. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, I do want to pray specifically right now those that are in a season of lament right now. Lord, I pray that they would turn to you. They would cry out to you. They would ask of you. And that you would give them enough faith to trust in you. Lord, and I pray that uh, us as a faith family would, would see pain and not run from it, but run toward it to encourage and support and love one another. Lord, I pray that you would grow the roots of our faith and our lives deep uh, on this pathway of lament in this broken world to the end that we see and savor and enjoy Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our example. You saw the shame of the cross, but you saw through that to the joy of our salvation. Lord, let us rejoice in that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.